must not go back to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. That help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, I'm your host Dan. We are back with another awesome chapter from the Chamber of Secrets. Chapter 13, The Very Secret Diary. A long chapter title. Um, We have Molly back with us. Hey guys. So I'm, I'm excited to have her on this chapter and the next one that we'll do, and you'll find out why later. But I am like super excited to be here. I'm yeah, yeah. Been pumped for this. So, uh, she got me in the middle of the week and with a great question. And I'm like, oh, you need to save this for when we record later. Yeah. You have to save it. So, we're going to get to it in the spoiler section. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then <laughs> the next chapter features a wonderful Dan Molly discussion point that's very us on our episodes. Love it. So, that's a tease for next week. <laughs> But anyway, um, so uh, the very secret diary. There's a lot going on in this chapter. It's a loaded one. We have everything from Hermione finally healing and getting out of the hospital wing to a bunch of Lockhart in this to a lot of Myrtle to a certain former head boy that we'll get to. Um, And... The chapter title, The Diary Itself, yep. which has a whole bunch to it. Oh so boy. Uh, we'll kind of dig into it. And the first thing I thought of as we start with Hermione in the healing process was to fix, to grow bones. Not even to fix bones, but to grow bones back. Mm-hmm. It takes one night. Mm-hmm. For Hermione to shed <laughs> all of the fur, it took weeks. It took yeah. like a, over a month. Right? Yeah, it took a while. Because it was like Christmas time. Yeah. And now she's being released in February. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's because... I don't know what she told Madame Pomfrey. Did she tell Pomfrey it was a polyjuice issue? I... Who? I feel like she... I feel like she would have to. Um... You'd think she would. Right. Because that would help... Right. The situation? Right. Ooh... Random tangent. Uh, right off the bat. I like it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, Dan and I are both, like, medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Yep. You always get those patients that just don't tell you true. <laughs> <That's very laughs> what true. actually happened yeah. until, like, I don't know, maybe even weeks later. Mm-hmm. You have to pull things out of them. And it's only to Hermione's benefit to just be like, hey, this is what happened. This is what went down. So that you could get fixed and healed quicker. So you'd think that'd be the logical step, right? But I also think the fear that she'd have is that maybe Madame Pomfrey isn't as adept with potions. Okay. And she's like, "Oh, this student took a bad batch of polyjuice. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should." enlist the help of our potions master right which would cause a whole bunch of problems right Ooh, yeah uh i think that was her 
fear, probably. Most likely. Because I think, I think Madame Pomfrey would stick to, as like, the medical professionals, like, right. hey, just tell us what's going on. We don't care. Right. We just want to help you get better. We don't care. Just tell us the truth. I don't care what you tell other people. Say you got mauled by a bear. You didn't right. trip on a Lego. I, I don't care. Yeah. Just tell me the truth. But does Hermione have confidence in Madame Pomfrey's anti-potion skills? HIPAA. (laughs) Does HIPAA exist? Does does wizard HIPAA exist? (laughs) It goes back to our wizarding lawyers. Is that a thing? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. know. But it stuck out to me of just like, wow, that seems like a really weird thing to take a long time unless like we said Hermione just didn't tell her right and it just took longer because she didn't exactly know what she was dealing with right but anyway that jumped out to me I love the random tangent right off the bat solid (laughs) uh but speaking of medical professionals yes Molly you know this uh better than most of you run across a medical professional from time to time especially in conferences I was just in a conference this morning Mm -hmm. and when they get ready to do their lecture they have the person introducing them just, it's like 10 minutes of just things that this person has done and credentials and credentials and credentials. And every time Lockhart <laughs> introduces himself, it's like this long list of, um, from your concerned teacher, Professor Gilderoy Lockhart, Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League, and five-time winner of Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award. Mm. And it just feels to me like he's one of those people. That likes to just add in whatever credential he can possibly add in. 100%. And it just struck me as like, I need to talk to Molly about this because she'll get it. Yes. (laughs) She knows. Well, what he really needs to do is to just like do the initial thing so that you're wondering like, okay, well, what do, what does like DPT stand for or whatever? (laughs) Yeah. That would even make it more solid. I feel like he could then have more talking points and bragging rights. That's true. I could so see him doing a lecture at the Most Charming Smile Award banquet. (laughs) Right, right. I could see him giving those. How to get that perfect smile. Right. A Gilderoy Lockhart lecture. Exactly. Oh, let's not ever have that. Um, (laughs) Please, no. (laughs) uh, Sticking with Lockhart for a second, we do get some more Lockhart uh, later. When he decides that the student body and the school as a whole needs a morale boost. Oh my god. And I, truthfully, I don't remember this from my previous readings of the book. It just, for whatever reason, maybe I've tried to block it out. I'm not sure. (laughs) But I I don't remember this happening. But reading it, I'm like, of course they would. Of course JK would do this. Yeah. You have the perfect type of character Mm -hmm. to just go all out for valentine's day yeah it makes perfect sense and i love most of the students reactions of like can we not have confetti on our bacon like this is a little much <laughs> yeah uh i also like the, the the pink robes that he was dressed in yes and I'm, I'm sure he's a wealthy individual from all his escapades right but do you think he just, like, gets one set of robes and just switches the colors on them to suit whatever need he has? Oh, yeah. I would think that would be the most practical way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but uh, no, I, I just love the uh, card Valentine's Day and then the, the dwarfs that are dressed like Cupid. Oh my god, I would have loved to see that. And you have the History of Magic book. Yes. Um, I don't know if dwarfs are in there and what they look like. But I don't think that they are. I I don't know. I didn't. They just come off as like very crumudgeony. Oh yeah. I don't want to say angry. Surly, maybe. Surly, Surly is a good yeah. word for it. Of just like. <laughs> just that picture of them like being super surly and like gruff, and then like they're like dressed like the little cupids. Do you think it's just like he just hired a bunch of them from like. Where would, would he even... Is that a service? Like, is this know. the same place that Dumbledore got the dancing skeleton troop? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like, do they just all hire, like, these entertainers <laughs> from, like, Tolkien? I think that they do. I don't know. I also really love the line that, like, Gilderoy Lockhart seemed to think he himself had made the attack stop. Like, just with everything that he did. Just his presence. Yes. Yep. He was getting close. He was getting close to figuring it out. Yeah. And they got scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's it. Um, <laughs> backtracking back a little bit, uh, we have another big Myrtle moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, they come across an aggressive amount of flooding from the girls' bathroom, uh, which Filch is not happy about. So naturally, Harry and Ron go and investigate. And Myrtle has, uh, Myrtle's being full Myrtle, uh, because she thinks people are throwing things repeatedly at her, which then Ron points out, or I think Harry points out, actually, Harry points out, why does that matter? It can't ever hit you. Yeah. And she's like, that's not the point. You're throwing things at me. Is this like some game where it's like points through the stomach, points through the head? And um, I was like, wow, Myrtle kind of has a point that Harry is, like, super insensitive about the thing, like, right off the bat. You're missing the point completely. Right. But Harry, as well as Hermione from a couple of chapters ago, I think always, when they talk to Myrtle, they seem to always have, well, I guess that's the point, is you never talk to Myrtle unless you really have to. Mm -hmm. Like, you have a point of why you're there and you want to get to said point because you don't want to spend a whole lot of time there. Right. But... Uh, Myrtle kind of points us in the direction of a book, um, which I think Ron, because uh, Ron is often like this, the logical one of like, which you'd never think you'd really say that often. Right. <laughs> but in the books, Ron does point out a lot of things and he's like, hey, why are you touching a random book? My dad deals with random muggle objects all the time that have weird... And then he goes into like this long list of really messed up... Yeah. Magically tricked, I guess, whatever. Right. Like the book that you can never put down. Yeah, or like the limerick one, where you're forced to speak in limericks for the rest of your life. That's one where I wouldn't want that personally for myself. No. But I kind of would want to befriend that person. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just some really weird, <laughs> just yeah. dropping knowledge in this. That was like really yeah. interesting. Oh, the, and the one that burned your eyes out? No thanks. That was aggressive. That yeah. was particularly aggressive. Yeah. That's not like a peeves esque joke. Mm-mm. That's like you're trying to do real harm to some. some not that the others aren't like really yeah. debilitating, but right. Whatever. 
So anyway, they have a debate about the diary, and then they go back, and they tell um, Hermione of the whole encounter. And they uh, Harry just seems, like, drawn to the diary, even though, like, nothing is in it. Mm-hmm. And he just feels like there's something about it, even though it's entirely unremarkable for the most part. He did notice that there was a date and a name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the date was roughly 50 years ago. Yep. And the name was T.M. Riddle. So, um, obviously we'll talk a little bit more about a lot of this in the oh. spoiler section. Oh, yes, we will. Uh, Molly has a whole thing. so We're going to go I right down wait. a rabbit hole. I cannot wait. So we'll get to most of that in the spoiler section. But um, it was interesting that he picked up on it. No one else really seemed to, uh, even though it exchanged hands, it got to Malfoy's hands at some point. So what happens is one of the dwarfs that we spoke of earlier yes. hunts down Harry to give him a musical valentine mm-hmm. and chases him through a hallway, tackles him by the ankles, and forces this song upon Harry in front of a bunch of people who are now... I feel like Harry should have just taken it. Yeah. And it would have caused less of a scene, less attention. I don't know, though, because, like, I can identify with that. You know, at the age he's at. Oh, sure. Well, yeah. So, side note, again. <laughs> um, when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. I was in the lunchroom, and I was walking right past, like, the popular boy table, mm-hmm. and I tripped right in front of them, mm-hmm. spilled everything. It was a day ruiner. It was literally a day ruiner. So I can identify with Harry in this, that, like, yeah, that sucks. That would be a night. That would be a day ruiner. That would be a tough one. Yeah. Uh I was about to say, you got a singing valentine or you gave a singing valentine to someone? That would have been that. Oh, no. No. Molly was, me, was way too shy for that. <laughs> I don't know why I just tried to speak in the third person. I'm cool with it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so as Molly has just said, this completely devolves into a huge scene. Which will haunt Harry for as long as he can, uh, you know, remember until the next thing, which is soon. (laughs) I feel like that always happens with Harry. It's like, something's like, oh, this is the biggest thing ever. And then the next thing is even worse. Yeah. But, um, yeah, in that tussle, uh, him falling, book bag goes all over the place, which I didn't ever think that they just had like regular backpacks. At yeah. That was another thing that I was like, huh, I never thought of that before. Well, do you think it's like a satchel? Bag? Maybe. I have no Maybe. idea. Well, with all of the books that Locker had, unless you put like a charm on it or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, don't know. I just Maybe. never thought of it before, and I was like, huh. Yeah. Maybe they get a Hogwarts official one that already has the expandable charm on it. That'd be super smart. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. I just envision like my own backpack. Yeah. Like, just... yeah. Yeah. And everything goes everywhere. Malfoy picks up the diary, wants to read um, Harry's diary. Harry uses magic to get it back from him. Percy yells at him, so on and so forth. Um, but in that, ink spilled everywhere. Mm-hmm. Got on all of Harry's books and on the diary. And then later, he noticed that the diary no longer had ink on it despite nothing ever happening to it. 
So he looked into this and noticed that every time he wrote something, ink would disappear and ink would then reappear with like a response. And I had an interesting back and forth, which I mean, honestly, who can blame Harry for being like super excited and ready to delve into this? Because this would be like, be kind of a cool thing just in general. Oh, yeah. Like you write in a book and the book writes back to you. Oh, yeah. It'd be weird. It'd be super weird. It'd be intriguing yeah i don't know it'd just be kind of an interesting thing especially when you're asking questions and it's giving you exactly the responses that you want back yeah um so you just kind of get further and further down that rabbit hole yeah until that rabbit hole turns into a very little window that you then (laughs) get sucked into right uh which is just kind of an interesting uh way to get i guess sucked into a memory yeah um but the memory itself is, I think, really cool. You get to see an older version of Hogwarts, mm-hmm. Riddle himself. You get to see the headmaster pre-Dumbledore in Dippet. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn that Dumbledore has auburn hair. Yeah. Which, again, if for any of those who've seen the like Fantastic Beasts movie and like Jude Law... <laughs> not auburn hair which is weird but i don't know again i didn't even remember that characteristic until they said it here yeah um just an interesting footnote but um they have an interesting conversation uh you get to learn a little bit about what dip is like i think in this conversation he's obviously stressed he's obviously at his like wits end and looking to grasp at whatever straw he's given to figure this thing (laughs) out yeah so much so that he's turning to this almost 16-year-old boy as, as like, wait, you got answers? Yeah. Like, hit me up with whatever you got. <laughs> anything you've heard, anything you know. Um, he's kind of at that point. But uh, Riddle learns that the school is going to close. He can't stay there over the summer. Doesn't want to go back to the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Which you learn that this character has been from an orphanage. He's half-blood. Um so you learn a little bit about this character Riddle, and then um, you see him thinking as he leaves the headmaster's office, and he's almost unaudibly coming to this decision of what he's going to do. And then he weaves his way and finds a certain character with a certain monster, if you will, and we learn that, that character is Hagrid. Mm-hmm. who he's claiming is the, I don't want to say heir of Slytherin, but he's the guy that's released, opens the chamber and releases right. the monster that's doing the harm. The harm. Right. Um, once again, JK drops a bombshell at the end of a chapter. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> hey, Grid, uh, yep. chapter close. And you're like, what? Yeah, it's like, how are you ending there? And then now I have to read the next chapter. And How dare her. I know. Yeah. She's really good at that. I know. But, um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot, a lot to this chapter. Yeah. What did you think about the memory scene? What were your thoughts kind of like going back into the uh, diary? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, I would have been scared, though, like just all of a sudden getting sucked into That'd book. be terrifying. Be super terrifying. Then Harry like being confused as to why Dippet can't like hear him. Yeah, yeah. It's like sorry to interrupt you. 
Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. It was kind of cool to see that, like, realization and thought process. So, yeah. I know you're itching to get to the spoiler section. Yeah, well... I, you I, have, like, a whole thing. Yeah. And I almost spoiled some, some stuff. Oh, right there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about we call it for the non-spoiler? <laughs> and we'll just get into a big spoiler section. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be good, guys. I don't think Molly's gone down one of these rabbit holes yet. No, I haven't really. I've been pretty chill with my rat, with my, uh, tangents uh, and You've been pretty holes. chill this episode, too, other than referring to yourself in the third person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm just so excited. <laughs> All right, we'll get to the spoiler section. So after this wonderful Lockhart break, we'll be right back. Yes. All right, so we are back from break, getting ready for a very packed spoiler section. And I wanted to just kind of start it out with uh, Ron again talking about the diary when he first sees it being such a, uh, it could be a potentially dangerous, powerful object. I'm like, man, Ron, you are right on the ball, just not in the way you thought it was. Like, yeah. Not on the touch necessarily, but. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it, it's got quite the punch of mm -hmm. dark magic and, and power to it because the TM Riddle stands for Tom Marvolo Riddle. Molly, I think you have a lot on Mr. Riddle here. So I'm just going to turn it over to you for a little bit. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So when we were initially like talking about this chapter earlier in the week, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, wait. So what is the timeline of all of this? You know, I kind of, I'll admit, I forgot that it was like 50 years ago that the chamber had been opened. And I was like, I wonder how old he was and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, basically I did a deep dive on Lord Voldy, as we all know. I love it. Tom. I love it. Riddle. Said in this chapter that uh, Riddle was in his fifth year. Yes. So... The, that is a good point of reference. Yeah. So fifth year, um, obviously head boy um, or prefect at this point. Again, got me thinking timeline. I'm just going to, you know, talk about Voldy in general. Um, he was born in 1926. He died in uh, 1998. He was 71 years old. Some old thought, dude. Yeah. I thought that was, he was pretty old, man. Lived but a long he, life. But we went away when he was like mostly dead does that yeah. count against you age-wise or do you like save some of your youthful exuberance <laughs> i don't think he was very youthful and exuberant at that point um that's also true he yeah was, yeah he was kind of like not really a person also true yeah that's yeah that's but fair. i also think wizard age is a little different because isn't dumbledore like how many years old yeah, he's he's well over a hundred. Yeah, so I think wizard aging, there's a little bit of some some play with some that. shenanigans. Yeah, um, so he was a prefect in 1942, in Headboy. Um, his bogart is his own corpse, which I found to be fascinating because he's afraid of death. Death. Yeah, yeah. and he has no patronus. He probably, because he doesn't have a happiest memory. Exactly. Yeah. So, no Patronus. 
Um, he started at Hogwarts in 1938. Um, he was the age of 16 when he made his first Horcrux. And he graduated from Hogwarts in 1945. Um, so... So, just to... I'm going to backtrack just a second, because now yeah. that you got me thinking about this. Yeah. So if he doesn't have a Patronus, mm-hmm. and he's been in line with Dementors and having them necessarily on his side, but how... I guess he's never had the issue. But if you ever did have an issue with a Patronus, like, or with a Dementor, how would you, like, deal with that? What well, would his be his answer to that? So here's my theory, right? So he's basically soulless. He split his soul apart. Oh, that's true, too. That's interesting. So, yeah, yeah, there's nothing in terms of his soul and happiness at that point. That they would even want to. sucked out. That's a good point. That's an. Yeah. I never thought of that before. Yeah. So. Huh. Hence, no Patronus. That's really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I never considered that before. But yeah, you make a good point. Yeah. So. Um, the other thing I was going to say is when yeah. you listed out those dates, um, for our history buffs, yeah. uh, those are kind of important dates yeah. in the real world of the non-magical world, the muggle world. Right. Uh, world War II is going on. Right. So uh, <laughs> there's kind of some important things going on in, in the wizarding world. Uh, in Again, in the Fantastic Beast movies, we're creeping on those dates. And in mm-hmm. Crimes of Grindelwald, I think Grindelwald has a vision of tanks rolling in and bombs being dropped and the whole thing. And he's using it as almost like a parallel to his wizarding war that he wants to start. Right. A lot going on yeah. at this point. Yeah. But yeah. Which I also find interesting because, so he opens the chamber um, around June 13th, 1943, which I think is pretty fascinating because, again, history buffs, you go to Hitler and his wanting to, you know, do all the terrible things that he did, mm-hmm. and you have someone that wants to get rid of all non, you know, muggle-born... Yeah, all non-magical... Yeah. He wants a Wizards. purified race. Right, yeah. exactly. So I think it's kind of an interesting parallel that is happening within these two worlds. So, um, <clears throat> you know, and his ideas are kind of sparked at that point. It must make you wonder, like, what his thoughts of Grindelwald must have been. Because he was alive as Grindelwald was doing some of this. I think that he is so... I don't know if myopic is the best word, but I think he is so self-focused that he's not probably... His mindset's probably got to be like, you failed. I'm yeah. I'm better than you. Yeah. I'm going to one-up you. Yeah. I'm going to follow through on what you couldn't. Ooh. Yeah. Something like that, maybe? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, we know he's a very... Uh, I'll say a quiet arrogance about him. Mm-hmm. Like he never really, and, and that's part of his genius is he never really, he's not Lockhart. No. He never 
boasts. No. Like, he never wants to draw unnecessary attention on himself. Right. He's always in the background, in the shadows, pulling strings. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely gets his own hands dirty, unless he absolutely has to. Yeah. But that, but he's still, like, within himself, very arrogant of, yeah. like, I'm the best. Oh, yeah. I'm the best, I'm the most talented, I'm the smartest, mm-hmm. and what I don't know, I will know someday, yeah. soon. Yeah. It's it's a very interesting kind of character. Yeah. Straight up on my deep dive with Foldy, he is a psychopath. <laughs> 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 from a very early age, from when he was in the orphanage, and, like, the things he did, and, like, the things he did to some of those children, like, straight up psychopath. Yeah, it, no remorse, no Very strong feeling. words for me, but, like, psychopath. You're saying he has some issues. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What else did you have there? You had, um... Yeah, so... Oh, com- you, I know a, a note that you had there that was interesting. Was like, yeah. Because in the earlier conversation that we had this week, you specifically wanted to know, like, when he was messing around with a chamber. Yes. And when... He was uh, in the slug club. Right. And finding out about Horcruxes for the first time. Yes. So, sixth year is when he was in the slug club with Slughorn. Um, But at that point, he had already had one Horcrux. What he had initially gone to Slughorn for was he was curious whether or not you could make more than one Horcrux. Before the chamber opened, he decided on the name Lord Voldemort. Opens the chamber, um, 1943, in June. And then the diary is his first Horcrux that he makes. Then, in 1943, in August, that is when he goes to the Gaunt House and he kills... Um, the Riddle family. The plumbers. Yeah. Or no, the the Riddle family. The not, Riddle not family. The, uh, yeah. Not his magical side. In that, <clears throat> he messes with Morphin's mind. Mm. Um. Basically, Morphin admits, like, "Oh yeah, I killed those people." He gets sent to Azkaban. Um. Then he starts a six-year at Hogwarts. That's the Slug Club. That's when he. Um, asks Slughorn, hey, can you make more than one of these things? And Slughorn's like, uh, what? <laughs> Why would you want to? Uh, okay, psychopath. Right. Um, but, you know, we all know how smooth talking he was around He's that He's a age. very charming individual. Yes, very charming. Um, so, yeah. Then, after that... The next Horcruxes that he makes are the, well, the next one he makes is the Diadem. Because in his last year, he convinces Helena Ravenclaw to tell him where the Diadem is. So, retrieves it, gets it, makes it the third Horcrux. Okay. Then he does his little stint at Borgen and Burke's. And that's like around 1955 to 1961. And that's how he gets the lock, the locket. I almost said Lockhart, um, which that would be interesting. Um, but anyways. You said the ring was the second one, right? The gaunt ring? Was that the second one? 
Yeah, did I skip over that? Uh, I just don't think you mentioned the ring was the second. Oh yeah, so the ring is the, sorry. No, the the no ring worries. is the. You second got all excited one. about Morphin, and I said plumbers, and I know you got all hooked on my tangent. The, yes, the, the tinfoil hat theory that I. Had. I know, I know. Okay, so let me let me go back. So August nineteen forty three. That's when he goes to the gone house, uh, hits up the plumbers. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that's a thing now. I know. I love it. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, Marvolo and Morphin Plumbers Incorporated. Eminem. The Eminem, the original yes. Eminem. <laughs> yes. Um, so while he's there, he takes um, the ring, um, which, again, more to that. Um, yep. Yeah. Family ring, family yes. heirloom. Um, makes that a horcrux from killing his father's family, the mm-hmm. Riddles. So then we do the third Horcrux, the Diadem. And then he does a stint at Borgen and Burks, where that's when he gets the locket and the Hufflepuff cup. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to try to say that lady's name that he gets it oh, from. Oh, Hepzibah? Yeah. Hepzibah Smith? Yes, her. So she's known to be a descendant of... Um, the Hufflepuffs. Helga herself. Yep. Yes, Helga. Um, so within that, makes the locket, makes the Hufflepuff cup the um, Horcruxes. Then it seems like 10 years after that, he starts traveling around. That's like 1970-ish. Which... <laughs> which you, the facts of the dates are correct and it just makes yeah. me think of like Voldemort passing like <laughs> people in shag carpeted vans doing the disco <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right like, <it's>... right <laughs> um and this is where he goes back to um Hogwarts as Dumbledore to teach the Defense Against the Dark Arts course. And Dumbledore's like, nah, no. Like, I see your game. Mm-hmm. And that's when he hides the diadem in the Room of Requirement. So, then, 1970-1981, um, that's right around two, like, the first Wizard War. And then around that time in 1979, that is the whole Creature Cave Regulus Black incident. Look at the deep dive that Molly is doing on I this. I went very deep. I am Oof. sorry. So, and in that time too, um, he gave the diary to Lucius. So this answers our questions. He gave the diary to Lucius and... He never told him that it contained a fragment of a soul, but he did tell him that it would open the chamber. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you find that one at? It was like the Harry Potter wiki. Okay. Like the fandom wiki kind of thing? Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, that's hearsay. So, you know, I don't know. Um, and he also gave the cup to Bellatrix to hide in their family. Yeah. So, in the vault. Um, in 1979, he also returned the ring back to the Gaunt Shack. 
Um, and then October 31st, 1981. We all know that date. Um, that's when he attacks Harry, and he makes Harry the, you know, the uh, the key to the prophecy. Yep. And then they said it was like the missing years, obviously, 1981 to 1994, when he loses his physical form and his magical powers. Um, what was I, the years on that? Uh, 1981 to 1994. So. 13 years. Yeah. So that's 13 years that, you know, yeah. could be a young, could be a young dude. Right. Like a young dude of 57 instead of 70 or whatever. <laughs> 71. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I mean, again, like it was super interesting. Like, uh, he apparently like tried to inhabit animals, but like he thought that their bodies weren't really like equipped for magic. Um, which makes sense. I don't know. I wonder which animals he'd try to inhabit. Like, would he go for magical specific? Probably. I don't know. Like, would he try for a dragon just to be like, I'm a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine, like, a talking, like, you know, dragon? I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you just take that shot? Right. With a wand. (laughs) (laughs) We're known for going down weird tangents. I love it. Um, so, then he returns to his full strength, 94, 94 to 95-ish, um, cause 95, June 24th, um, is the Triwizard Tournament, and then the Second Wizard War begins, and then Nagini becomes his fourth, or his seventh Horcrux, but to him, because he doesn't know that Harry is an accidental horcrux he assumes that it's the sixth horcrux that he's made and the seventh part of his soul would be his own his own gotcha yeah so yeah so summer of 94 between yeah summer of 94 was when he apparently made nagini which I guess again I've never thought of that. But it, it makes sense that it would be post Harry. Yes, that does make sense. Yeah, and if you really want to know, I have all the start dates for the Horcruxes and all the end dates when they were destroyed. So the diary, forty three, destroyed ninety three. The ring, forty three, destroyed ninety six. The locket was, they said around 1946, but before 1979. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> and then it was destroyed um, December 28th, 1997. And then the cup was, again, 46 or later. Um... And that was May 2nd, 1998, which was the Battle of Hogwarts. Right. Then the Diadem, 46 or later. Um, May 2nd, 1998 was when it was destroyed. Nagini, summer of 94, which sounds really funny. Like, the summer of 94 (laughs) destroyed May 2nd, uh, 98. And then Harry, obviously, was um, October 31st. 90 or 1981 
and then May 2nd, 1998, but technically... Kind of, sort of. Yes. <laughs> it was a kind of, sort of on that one, so... Interesting. Yeah. The other thing that when you bring up all the dates and all of the timelines of this thing, it's uh, it's also intriguing to me that in his fifth year, he opens the chamber and is responsible for a death. Mm-hmm. And after that year, before his sixth year, um, because he's made the Horcrux at that point, meaning he has killed, mm-hmm. specifically, directly this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fifth year to through the end of the sixth year is, well, I guess you can, starting in the fifth year and ending throughout his rest of his years at Hogwarts is like the real formation of Voldy that you know. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, it escalates so quickly. It does. <laughs> like once he finds out what he's really, truly, fully capable of, yeah, he never looks back. No, and he takes off like a hundred and fifty miles per right. hour. Right, right. And it's almost alarming at the speed and swiftness that he does mm-hmm. each progressive thing. Yeah, and I, and he's only slowed down in some of those gap dates by having to find said things. Right. Uh, he has no issue, and he seems to have a very thought-out, methodical, psychopathic, <laughs> if yeah. you want, plan right. for this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and this whole plan of his, uh, which is uh, just, it's insane. And we can get through it as, as we go and as we discover these things through the books. But with the diary being, like, fully outed in this chapter, we figured it was a good spot to actually, like start this, yeah. this kind of horcrux conversation being yeah. like it, it's a fascinating one and they give us a lot through the books that we don't necessarily like pick up on on a first read mm-hmm. but you kind of pick up on these types of things the second third fourth read through yeah i do have a question on horcruxes um since you laid them out so wonderfully yeah so we see some of them have an innate power to them. Yeah, yeah. An innate magic. Like, Voldy's plan for this was genius in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Like, one, just the thought to even do this is brilliant. It's psychopathic. Yeah. But it's brilliant nonetheless because it accomplishes his ultimate goal of theoretical immortality. Yeah. He succeeds in that for the most part. Um, never thinking, like, with how much of an introvert, an extroverted introvert, or an introverted extrovert, like, because he's so charming, like, he comes off so well. But really, he's a very interest, introverted private person. Well, I think he views people as, like, tools for his, yeah, you know, plans. Like, I don't think that there's any kind of, like, extroverted I get, like energy from hanging out with these people type thing with it yeah i think he's just he's smart he's intelligent enough to use people to get what he wants i guess which is what we see here with the diary but before we get back around to the diary that like the idea that no one's ever gonna figure this game out 
mm-hmm. because no one knows that much about me because mm-hmm. I don't let people in a whole lot. Yeah. I don't let people know about my life. Right. So there's that extra layer of protection. Right. Then there's like him, the idea of him hiding it in relatively ordinary objects, mm-hmm. which is another brilliant defense system of who's going to suspect this book, who's going to suspect a ring or a locket or right. a cup right. <laughs> or anything like that. The right. diadem, okay, maybe the diadem, but like right. other things like that, it's very random ordinary object, mm-hmm. which is what they comment on in the seventh. They're like, how are we going to find them? We don't know anything about right. this. Um, that's another brilliant layer of defense. And it's just like, you think one is enough. Then, mm-hmm. wow, the second layer, that's that's another impossible layer to figure out. And then the third layer, it's impossible to figure out. Well, then he puts other enchantments on this yeah. to make it that much harder for you yeah. to, like, if you happen to get through right. the first five layers of my defense. Right. Here's this other one. Right. Like, Regulus has to go through hell, like literal hell. Right. To even get the locket. Right. And then there's the locket has an enchantment on itself that kind of makes twists and corrupts your personality mm-hmm. by wearing it. Well, I even, when reading this time around, um, it was interesting the way Harry described how the diary made him feel. Yes, that, and that's what got me thinking about this. Right? So it was like... He couldn't explain even to himself why he didn't just throw Riddle's diary away. The fact that he, the fact that, the fact was that even though he knew the diary was blank, he kept absentmindedly picking it up and turning the pages as though it were a story he wanted to finish. And while Harry was was sure he had never heard the name T.M. Riddle before, it seemed to mean something to him, almost as though... Riddle was a friend he had had when he was very small and had half forgotten. Like, the fact that he describes it as, like, an old friend. It's almost like an otherworldly power. Yeah. Like, a sway or, like, whatever being put upon you. But this is the tricky thing about Harry specifically. Yeah. Like, that kind of, that, um compulsion to just have it in your Mm -hmm. hands or look at it or keep looking at it or trying to read it or write in it Mm -hmm. that compulsion i think applies to Ginny, or might apply to your theory from many chapters ago of lucius wanting to write in it right or something like that which i think was awesome that i had never thought of before (laughs) um but things like that where they're near a horcrux they're near a part of his soul and he wants you to use it for a purpose right and it's just putting this spell over you of like right. pick me up look at me right read me write write in me do something with this right and i will have my control over you mm-hmm. harry it's another interesting layer because he himself is, a horse. is connected directly to this right. thing. Right. <laughs> so it's like, how much of it is the innate power of this potential Horcrux? Not potential. Like, how the potential power of this Horcrux. Right. And how much of it is Harry being directly linked to it in a way that he's not even aware of yet. Right. And that might be the old friend that you're referring, that you read about, is like, one part of his soul is recognizing the other and being like, I'm so close to me. Yes. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting dynamic. It's very fascinating. It yeah. And I mean, it can even track back to like the conversations we've had in general, like about magic. Yeah. And how like some of that stuff, like once you like the responsibility of like putting magic out into the world onto certain things, onto objects and having that responsibility of it, like, or just that draw and how it almost takes on like a life of its own. So, you know, what else is interesting? We've in that, in that spirit, we've talked about with Ron and Arthur, uh, noticing like magic placed upon objects that weren't intended Mm-hmm. to have magic placed upon them and them reacting so aggressively or whatever have you. Yeah. And, you know, is that because they're non-magic? Right. And they're having magic forced upon them? Well, this diary, as Harry astutely points out, it, it's from a muggle town or it's from a muggle, like, production yes. company. And here's Voldy placing not just magic, but, like, insanely powerful magic upon this. Does that intensify it? Does it make it more dangerous? Ooh. Or does it not? That's a good point, Dan. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And I'm just kind of spitballing here. But I I don't know. I don't even know if he accounts for that. Yeah. But, like, some of this stuff, like, obviously he intends for the ring to put a curse on you. Like, Mm -hmm. he intends for that ring to never be on another person's hand. Right. And have that person live. Right. Or, uh, yeah, just like the intention behind it. Here's my question, though, and we never see it. Yeah. Um, the cup. Yeah. Like, we see the enchantments placed around the cup. Mm-hmm. Which are substantial and would probably kill 99% of those that tried to take it. Right. But you'd think the cup would then have some inherent magical property. Yeah. You know I'm what sure I mean? It does. I just don't think she really. She really never got into it. I guess the diadem doesn't it. really either. Yeah. Although it's supposed to have its own inherent magic prior to that, even. Right. Which how does that affect it? I don't know. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> again, the, like the layers yeah. that's surrounding these horcruxes and yeah. and Voldemort's depend, uh, defenses for them, and really interesting to kind of right. pick through it. Right. And I'm thankful we like we're getting the start of it now, but yeah. it's we get it through multiple books. Yeah. Which is really, really interesting. I'm going to do one more little reflecting back to with uh, old Voldy here. Go for it. Um, we were talking about like how he can be very... What was the word you used? Like, suave with people. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, <clears throat> he, he's... Going back to him being a psychopath, like, if you think about some famous serial killers, if you're into that kind of thing, I know we're taking a very dark turn. <laughs> they tend to be very charming individuals. Yes, like Ted Bundy. Yep. You know, um, there was a whole cult for uh, Manson. Like H.H. H. Holmes right. was to, known to be a very charming guy. Right. Lure women back, yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know, man. He's a he's he's one uh, interesting psychopathic dude. And and now we've talked about like what J.K. has intended and what she hasn't intended in her writing. Some of what we're talking about now, I I do believe she meant to have those connections yes. with serial killers' tendencies, like psychopathic yes. tendencies, right. the World War Two 
references are way too numerous to yeah. just be like random <laughs> to just <laughs> blow over yeah yeah um so it those i think are fully 100 percent intended to kind of give you the picture of who this person is mm-hmm. um even though she might not intend for you to pick that up now per se yeah uh in this book but uh, throughout the series you definitely get those yeah. hints and tendencies Right. Uh, we're running long on the spoiler section, um, which we knew we would be. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I do want to end on, I guess, a lighter-hearted note, uh, even though it does involve one of the Horcruxes, uh, the diary. Um, memory magic. Yeah. Um, here we kind of see it in an interesting fashion of, and I would be just as confused as Harry, of like, what do you mean, show me? You're a book. Right. Like, how are you going to show me? Are you going to suddenly, like, draw beautiful illustrations? <laughs> it becomes a pop-up book. Who knew Tom Riddle was a great artist? Right. I don't know. <laughs> but no, in, 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 like, the, uh, in, like, the date, in, like, the checkbox for the date or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. It looks like a TV screen. Yeah. That just becomes bigger and bigger and wider and wider and then just lets Harry fall through. It's mm-hmm. a very interesting form of magic. Yeah. Um, which it just shows his incredible talent mm-hmm. that that's mind blowing magic. Yeah. That I don't think most would even consider plausible. Right. But he does it. It's like, and you brought up the point in our break of he's taking the idea of a pensive mm-hmm. and like making it, he's like making a giant rotary like phone. Yeah. Into, like, one of those small little cell phones that we all started with before they got bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. He's, like, making a microchip out of, like, old technology, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. It's it's a really interesting thought. Uh, Side tangent. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm now picturing. Yep, yep, for sure. It's just, I don't know, it's it's interesting, especially when you compared it to the Pensieve of just, like, falling into a memory Mm -hmm. and and getting fully engulfed in it and living it. Yeah. It's a really interesting kind of thing. Ooh, would you do it? Go back into, like, my memories? Yeah, like a Pensieve or... It can be very, very useful. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... Doesn't Dumbledore at some point say, like, it also, he uses it to clear his head, because mm-hmm. he'll put memories into the pensive, not to go into them, mm-hmm. just to kind of clear his head of them, I would I think. think. so, yeah. And just kind of, like, sit and reflect without a bias of this or that. Yeah. Which Ooh, is yeah. another interesting take on it. Yes. If you remove a memory from yourself mm-hmm. and just be like, I'm out. We see it weirdly, memory magic is weird, because we see it with yeah. Slughorn. Where he alters his own memory, right? But is still able to access his... access it. Yeah, it's memory magic is really interesting in this series. And yeah. Slughorn like <sighs> being able to alter a memory, but still access the original when he wants. And the I uh, I guess this all started me me and this tangent. <laughs> Would I do it? Um, <laughs> In the context, yeah. If I had to, like, remember a detail from something or... uh, Because you know how a memory works. It's like, you remember maybe one part of it, but the rest is kind of like a blurred, vague thing that you might not know every single detail. And if you can go back into the core memory and be like, Mm -hmm. oh, 
she was wearing this that day yeah. or whatever. I had right. walked down that street or right. you know, whatever. Well, I, I don't know how true this is. We'd have to like fact check me. But I also heard one time that like you're when you're remembering something, you're not remembering like when that happened. You're remembering the last time you told that memory. The memory is the memory? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so That's interesting. Like, it would be interesting to be able to take that memory out and then go to, like, the original, you know. Also, like, it'd be interesting to go back to, like, if Slughorn can pull from his, like, subconscious, mm-hmm. the original. Well, could you go back to when you were, like, three? Ooh. Like, something you don't necessarily, like, I don't know what the age of consciousness is, like, six yeah. or seven of whatever, right. when you start, like, really figuring out purposefully what to do, mm-hmm. and you start pulling memories from, like, before then. Yeah. It could it could work in a bunch of different ways. Right. I mean, you can get, well, this is a tangent, I, now I'm going down the rabbit hole. Right. Of, like, if you had a family member or something that passed away before you were, like, eight, mm-hmm. and you can, like, go back and remember what they were like. Or a friend that you had in middle school that you don't have anymore, or whatever. Right. That moved away. Right. You can, like, relive almost. But that's a scary thing to right. go down that rabbit hole that you never want to escape from either. Yeah. It's almost like the Mirror of Erison in a way. It right. could be. It's like a right. different version. <laughs> no, I feel like we're down the, the yeah, rabbit we went down hole a, well, yeah, we went down of <laughs> wizard neuropsychology. <laughs> Well, you started off the episode by saying we're medical professionals. Right, exactly. It's a full circle. Full circle. We should end here before our spoiler section goes over an hour. Yes. So um, with that, we will end it. Um, And Molly was returning for the next chapter next week, and I'm sure we will have more tangents on that. We have one tangent already planned. So. there's your tease for that. Uh, please come back. Join us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, this weekend, we actually have March Madness here in the United States. College basketball uh, will be upon us. Brackets galore, uh, which I will be participating in. And hopefully, if I can get it set up, we will have some sort of bracket uh type setup with characters and all that kind of cool stuff on our Twitter. So look out for those mini polls that will be up. So with that, um, I'm Dan and thank you to Molly for being here again. Thanks for having me. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts, a podcast.